Hey, welcome to FQ, where we talk about faith, family, and friends. I'm Jacob. And I'm George. And welcome to this week's podcast. Hey, it's October 28th, 2020. Just keeping the Walktober going on, which I mean October. Um, and this week we have Noah Myers, uh, also known as the, the Bearded, Bearded Disciple. Disciple. On TikTok, on the podcast today, and we're super excited. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, Noah. Yeah, uh, <laughs> Joe. It's interesting to even be like introduced as a TikToker. I never thought I would be doing stuff like that. But um, <laughs> from from Colorado, uh, born and raised here, I've been able to, to do quite a bit of traveling. Uh, just was raised in a really strong Christian home. Got interested in doing ministry even when I was probably in middle school, high school, um, and started feeling that calling, went to a Bible school in England, uh, then, uh, came back to Fort Collins, graduated from Colorado state, um, with a major in philosophy emphasis on religion. And then, uh, went on a mission trip called world race, which was 11 month mission trip to 11 countries. Uh, then got back from that. And started to do seminary school for apologetics, uh, which is just a fancy word for saying defending the Christian faith. And uh, then started a chapter of an apologetics ministry here at Colorado State. Was a Bible teacher for a little bit. And now I'm starting to do some social media stuff, doing apologetics and those sort of things online too. And, and that's kind of where TikTok kind of came into the picture a little bit. So how did you end so, up going to a Bible school in England? Good. <laughs> yeah. Um, I've had a lot of times in my life that I thought I had one plan and God had another. Um, and that was the first one. I really wanted to go to a four-year Bible school and just financially it wasn't really in the cards. Um, and so there's this program called Torch Bears and they got schools all over the country. So I live in Colorado and there's another school about an hour away from me up in the mountains and another one that's also in the mountains another two hours away that are part of the same program. And so my parents were familiar with the one that's real close by in Estes Park. And we're just like, hey, maybe you should go check that out. And maybe you should do that for a year. Because it's almost kind of viewed as a gap year. It's just a one-year certificate Bible program. Um, and uh, I went checked out that school there. I was like, that looks cool. And then they showed me the pictures of all the other campuses. And then one in England straight up looks like Hogwarts, like it's an old castle. It's the first school of the whole program. They got the whole thing launched, and I was like, done. Send me there. I'm in. And that was just one of the coolest experiences of my life. There was about 100 students um, that were at the school and from all over the world. Um, so half of the people were from North America, and the rest were literally from anywhere in the world. And that was just an amazing experience diving into scripture and fellowshipping with people from all over the world and, and growing our relationship with Christ is awesome. That's cool. So did that, that, I mean, did that help launch you into doing the, um, the 11, what, what was it? 11. Yeah. Uh, it's called world race. So it's an 11 race. month okay. mission trip to 11 different countries. Um, that sparked it a little bit, like definitely, um, I had done a little bit of traveling before I went to Bible school. Um, my sister lived in Germany and we visited her once and traveled around Europe a bit and then traveled around as well when I was at Bible school. 
so I knew, like, I just love to travel. I've been to 30 countries now. Awesome. Um, actually, might be 31 now. I'd have to go through the list. <laughs> um, and that's just been a passion of mine since. And then, so the, how World Race came in, when I graduated from CSU, I knew I wanted to do ministry. And I knew in a lot of ways, like, felt called towards campus ministry. And what was weird about that is my my dad had worked for crew at, uh, not, not when I was growing up, but before I was born, which is a big campus ministry. And then my mentor at the time had worked with navigators, which is probably the second biggest. So crew and navs are the biggest campus ministries probably in the country. And I felt like both of those guys had been like recruiting me for being a part of one of those ministries. But then when I graduated, I'm like, yeah, I'm applying to be on staff with one of those both my dad and my mentor were kind of like, I just don't see you doing that. And I was like, what? <laughs> what do you mean? Like, this was the plan. Like, um, and so they're like, yeah, it just doesn't seem like a fit um, right now. And then my brother actually put it really well because I studied religions for my undergrad. And he's like, dude, it's like you've studied a map of New York City. You know how to get in around anywhere in New York City, but you've never been there you've studied all these religions, but you've never seen them in action. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, that's a fair point. Um, and so started to look at different programs and then saw obviously this one of like, I can go to 11 countries rather than just do a mission trip to one country for a year. And I'm like, I love to travel done. Um, awesome. so yeah, that, that was its own huge, amazing, really cool experience as well. So were they mainly uh, European countries that you went to or was it? Um, I went all over. Um, I mean, the easiest thing to do is just give you the list. Started Malaysia, then went to Australia, Vietnam, Cambodia, India, Nepal, Kenya, Rwanda, Tanzania, Ukraine, and Romania. That was the, that was the list. So got around. They, I circumvented the world over the trip. Didn't do anything in South America. That was the only continent we didn't hit. That's awesome. I've, it's my goal to like my bucket list to hit all seven continents. Um, yeah. So I've been to Europe, Africa, Asia. Um, I mean, I guess you can count the Philippines as Asia. It's not mainland Asia, but I'm counting it. <laughs> I'm counting it. it. Um, and Kenya. So Kenya and Romania, those were two mission trips, short-term mission trips that I went on. Romania was the first one. My wife was pregnant with our firstborn, who is now 22. So um, I always tell people, if you like in churches and stuff, if you have a chance to do a short-term missions trip, if you really want to know about another country or know another culture, at least do a short-term missions trip. So like your brother saying, you can study this map of New York, but you've never been there. It really gives you a different perspective, you know, as you know, right. being in those even a month at a time being those right. 11 different countries, it really gives you a different perspective when you have boots on the ground, so to speak. And I, that's, that's an awesome opportunity that you had to do that. Um, yeah. Was it, was there like culture shock each different country you went to or like, cause that seems like a lot, you yeah. know, in 11 months <laughs> it is. you're hitting about a, a month at a time and going from, you know, Kenya to Malaysia are very different to Roma- mm-hmm. Romania, which is also 
very different, you know. Right. It's not you're not just traveling, you know, the east eastern European countries where there's some right. similarities, you know. Right. Yeah, it was the so the order that I gave you was even the order that we went. Um, and I think that the biggest culture shock probably ended up being just that first country going to Malaysia, especially Malaysia of all the countries we went to was definitely the most Muslim of all of them. Okay. And even is it's illegal to evangelize there to oh, Muslims. Wow. Um, so we had to be very covert. We worked with YWAM while we were there. Um, and worked with YWAM had a homeless shelter and, uh, gave out food and stuff. And you just had to be very wise and kind of careful about who you talked with, um, about it. Cause if it kind of came out that you tried to evangelize a Muslim person, then, uh, I think it was a death sentence. Um, and I, I don't know how that works within international law. Obviously, I, I'm not a citizen. I don't, I don't know how they enforce that or if they can, but they would definitely kick us out. And then the ministry there would be over. Yeah. And so that was also some of it was like, I, I being a guy who's a little bit more apologetics, who's a little bit more like, let's go. I'm really <laughs> ready to talk to anybody and, you know, reason reason about it and talk with people about it. You know, I wanted to go in the mosque and like, let me talk with some Muslims about stuff. Um, and so that was, I had to hold myself back to realize there's a bit where you have to just say, all right, like, Lord, this isn't the way that I want to do things, but like for the, I need to do more. That's going to help this ministry. Um, be striving. And, and do well once I leave, you know, and that means I don't put them in a bad place by doing something I shouldn't. And the ministry falls apart when I leave because it's not just about in a moment. And I, I found that that that's just true in all sorts of situations like that in a very much big scale and in the sense of how the government responds, but also in conversations that I've had with people one-on-one where it's like, I don't need to try to force you to believe everything about Christianity in this conversation when we just met. Um, Sometimes the best thing to do is just, hey, here's a couple of thoughts. Think about it. Pray about that. And we'll get back to you, you know. So. Yeah, I think one of the TikToks that I watched, you know, speaking on on that is um, you had mentioned how some people will say, you know, preach the gospel, use words when necessary, which mm-hmm. in that situation, you really kind of have to do that. You know, you can't really preach the gospel, but you can do things that look different than, than others, you know, mm-hmm. or to where someone could have, you know, have a conversation with you and bring up, okay, why are you doing this? Then they, right. then you just, you just opened up the door then, you know, or they just right. opened up the door because they're asking you why you're doing it, which I love. I, I love telling people about Christ. Um, and I, I always love when he opens the door in subtle moments like that. Like Jake, I know Jacob's had it happen to him and where we work, where we're not really, we're not supposed to proselytize or whatever, but we have had students ask us, you know, 
why are you the way you are? And it's like, well, um, <laughs> you kind of look around and go, well, because of Christ, you know, well, what yep. do you mean? Right. You know, so <laughs> it's like, well, well, they opened up the door and if anybody asks, I'm not gonna, I'm not why gonna you? deny, you yeah. know, if anybody asks me, I'm not gonna, yeah. I'm, I'm going to tell them, but even if we get questioned about it, you know, cause I've done this in other workplaces too, you know, where I've been talking to coworkers and just, them t- sharing a rough time with me for whatever reason, you know, just those people that I don't know if it's happened to you, but it happens to me all the time where they'll just start telling you their life story. And you're like, I, why I don't know you. And then, <laughs> but, but it does open opportunity to be able to pray for somebody. And I've done that right. a number of times, you know, having those opportunities open and I've never been, I've never been questioned on, or told that I can't, you know, even by different mm-hmm. supervisors that may not be of of faith or anything, but just they haven't questioned me and even asking them, hey, can I pray for you? It's, it's amazing how right. people, how receptive people are to having you pray for, for them, even if they right. don't have a, you know, real, what you see as a real faith. You know, we don't know where their heart is at. You know, only God knows that, but they still right. desire that prayer. Like they feel that prayer can do something, which I love, you know? Yep. So yeah, I think, sure. I think I've seen a lot on your, your TikToks. Like, uh, maybe I could be wrong, but, uh, like there's been a Muslim kind of going back and mm-hmm. forth with you a lot. And was like, yeah, said something like, uh, has gotten extreme, I guess. It was like I would kill you and your family, or, or I hope they all die, or something, right? Something like that. Oh, so if I had noticed that thread, um, it's gotten to a point that, like, in some of the videos, I just can't keep up with all the comments. All because, like, at one moment, and I got a hundred notifications, and then another three hours, hundred more, and. The comment sections, especially, I think just doing the co- content that I'm doing, uh, people are debating in that, in the thread, like crazy. And I'm just like, yeah, I'm not going to keep up with all of it. So I'll, <laughs> a- anymore, I just kind of probably pay attention to if they tap comment. <laughs> but if I see that it's in reply to somebody else's comment, then I just kind of move on. So, that makes sense. I mean, it, yeah. It's funny but, to see yeah. de- debates on, you know, like you, you make one comment and then there's several people debating what you said and you're no longer part yep. of the conversation. Yeah. <laughs> kind of. I just, yeah. I don't know. Sometimes I might like, I've done that with Facebook. I'll just put a comment out there and just kind of sit back and watch, see what happens. And, right. You know, it, it kind of cracks yeah. me up. Um, yeah. But kind of getting back to, apologetics and what your TikTok has been about um, just for the lay person, you know, cause mm-hmm. apologetics sounds like, well, why do I got to apologize for my faith? Right. Yeah. I get that or, every time. Or even, <laughs> what are you apologizing for? Right. Yeah. Right. Those are, the, those are the two every time. So you did, you did kind of say it was a fancy word for, um, how, I, I don't know. Go ahead and explain fancy, that. Fancy if you want to flesh that out a little bit. Yeah, for sure. Um, 
apologetics, the way I always explain to people um, my elevator pitch is just to say, apologetics is defending the Christian faith through history, science, and philosophy. That's all it is. Um, the reason we use that word apologetics is First Peter 3.15, it says, always be prepared to give a reason and a defense for the hope that you have in Christ Jesus. And the word defense in the Greek is the Greek word apologia, and that's what we get apologetics from. Um, and so apologetics isn't actually just a Christian thing. It's mm. anytime you're giving a defense of anything. If you're just saying how you think Chick-fil-A is the best fast food restaurant, then then you're being an apologist for Chick-fil-A when you're doing that. Um, so, uh, <laughs> yeah, as we all should be, any good Bible-believing Christian should be a Chick-fil-A fan, right? Isn't yeah. that how it works? Even if you're a vegetarian, they got good Even- salads. <laughs> yeah, they got good salads, exactly. <laughs> Although last yeah. time I so went to Chick-fil-A, I've never, I don't think I've ever had a problem with it there. They're always kind, but I ordered and Arnold Palmer with, I like mm-hmm. it with unsweet tea, but regular lemonade, you know, and he just gave me unsweet tea and I was so disappointed. <laughs> like, <laughs> we, we drove off and I'm like, all right, I have my Arnold Palmer. This is going to be great. And it wasn't great. But I think that made yeah. my wife's right. We both ordered Arnold Palmer's and mine was just unsweet tea. Maybe. I don't believe in Arnold's. I have soda. But, yeah, yeah so back to apologetics. <laughs> so, um, so what, like, what got you into it? Like, so if we'll just, we'll go with that. What got you into it? And then yeah. I, I have a further question of how do you do it? Because I yeah. guarantee that's probably 100% of, like, what somebody who's new to this would be like, how the heck do you do that? <laughs> so. Right. Yeah. Um, so how I got into it was really just, um, seeing my friends walk away from the faith, honestly, like, because to just keep it super broad, um, some things in our church growing up that didn't line up biblically and that ended up hurting those people, um, personally and realizing these friends of mine are kind of walking away from the church because they don't they didn't know good doctrine and there was a good doctrine in the church. Um, and so I saw that element and then I see also my non-Christian friends just kind of viewing Christianity as a joke because they're like, how can you believe in God? Evolution disproves that God exists or whatever else. And just being like, dude, like, have you, (laughs) have you actually researched this that much? Cause if you have, First of all, evolution wouldn't disprove God if it was true or not. That's a whole other tangent that, to me, is always a tangent not worth really getting into when it comes to evolution. Um, But just seeing people either walking away or dismissing Christianity because they thought it had no intellectual grounding to stand up. And already... Growing up, I went to one of the big things for me as well is I went to this thing called Summit Ministries, which was a essentially a two weeks apologetics camp for high school and college students and learning from some of the best apologists in the country from that. And then just being able to obviously then come to school and be like, you guys are 
how are you leaving belief in this? Because the most logical thing clearly is Christianity. Um, and so that's where it started to grow. And then, you know, having Mormon friends growing up as well. Um, cause that's even where my niches maybe started to focus on as world religions more than anything. Um, so that's where it kind of got started for me. There was another part of that question that I'm forgetting. Um, how, like, how do you, how do you go you do about it? Yeah, how do you, you go know? about it? Yeah. So, I mean, it's I basically guess, defending yeah. your maybe, faith. Maybe tell, do you have like your favorite story of maybe somebody that did get saved and maybe someone that still is like, no, your butthole. <laughs> and like, I'm really <laughs> mad at you because you did that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one of the first things I always try to tell people is when you're doing apologetics, you need to kind of, and this is even just evangelism in general, I feel like. Um, cause I honestly do, I, I pretty strongly believe that the best, the difficult way to do evangelism is using apologetics. Um, and <clears throat> the, the reason for that we could get into, but when you're talking with someone, what you need to do is you need to uncover where they're at. Um, because I can talk with someone and say, Hey, here are all the reasons that I know Jesus is God. But if ultimately in the end, they're just like, I just don't believe God exists. Hey, you gave a really strong case for why Jesus is God. But if God doesn't exist, it doesn't matter. Yeah, We're, We need to go back a, a pace. And so the first thing with apologetics is you need to have this roadmap. So I need to show people four things. I need to first show them that truth exists, because believe it or not, you're going to run into people that will say that that's not a thing. You need to show them that. Yeah, so people will say that truth is relative. So truth exists. Well, if truth exists, then either God exists or he doesn't. He, he can't both exist and not exist at the same time if truth is a real thing. Then either you can go to um, that Jesus is God, because if God exists, then Jesus is God or he's not, or that the scripture is the word of God. Those two you don't necessarily have to do. You can do in either order there. But I have to kind of figure out where is that person at and then let's talk about that thing. And when I'm doing apologetics, as I was kind of hint, hinting at as well earlier, once I figure out where they're at, I'll challenge them in some different things and whatever is kind of the next step in that process. But I won't try to like argue with them through all four points. I'll let them just shit on it. Um, one really well-known apologist, Greg Kokel, he just says like, your goal in a conversation is just to put a rock in their shoe. You know, you go hiking, you go for a walk or whatever. You got that rock in your shoe and you're just like, I can't, like, I got to sit down and I got to fix this thing. Get this, this rock out of my shoe. That's ultimately something that we see everybody needs to end up doing when that sort of thing happens. And so when you're working through those steps with them, give them something that's going to be that rock in their shoe that's going to be when they walk away from that conversation, they're like, wow, okay, I didn't believe that Jesus was God, but he gave me some really good points, and I don't know how to reply to him. I just leave it. Let him sit in it. And I think that's what our goal is. That makes sense. That's great. Like I, I sorry if putting you, rocks Sorry if you people. can't see us right now. It, it said the connection got weird, so... We can yeah, hear you. No we just way. can't see you. Yeah, <laughs> you might be able Perfect. to see us, but you're, you're you froze for a second, yeah. and yeah. then yeah, it's just it paused for a second here too. So cool. 
Um, so, what is like your favorite, I guess, story of somebody that you've done apologetics with and talked to them about Jesus and they did change their life around and how that works? Because right. I feel like, like from, because I went to Bible college too. Uh, I went mm-hmm. in Oklahoma and like I felt like there were some people who did do like evangelism and some that didn't and then some people that like you put I think you put something on your um your TikTok maybe it was you I'm not sure of uh mm-hmm. like Ray Comfort and Kurt Cameron and stuff like that. Oh Lee Strobel like you put on there it was it was him, it was when you were showing me the the other day, you were saying like uh, how people started. You, you can't just um, the argument. I think was that someone was was trying to argue with you on was uh, if people don't already start out with a faith or something like that, then you can't um, yeah. you can't bring them to faith. And you're like, kind of put, right. oh really? And you had Lee <laughs> Strobel, I think Chuck. Swindoll, maybe Josh McDowell. I know you had on Josh there. Josh McDowell, C.S. Lewis, yeah, C.S. Lewis, yeah, yep. Warner Wallace, yep. And so, yeah, I mean, part of what people throw out there is to to say a lot of times people feel like, well, I can't argue someone into a relationship with the Lord, and there's some truth to that. The Spirit's got to work, um, but on top of that as well, the method that you see Paul that use is apologetics. When he goes to the synagogue, he goes to the cities. It says he reasoned, he's persuaded, he argued, he conversed. All the language is, is kind of apologetics style of how Paul goes about doing evangelism. Um, and people make the claim that like nobody's ever been persuaded into Christianity. It's just false. It's just plain false. Lee Strobel, C.S. Lewis, J. Warner Wallace, Josh McDowell, um, I've got personal friends. There's all sorts of people that have been persuaded of like, I just can't deny it. This is clearly true. I don't want to believe that's how C.S. Lewis even said. He's like, I came into Christianity kicking and screaming. And so because did, uh, like, I didn't. Oh, I'm sorry. I was going to say, Go so ahead. did Lee Strobel and Josh McDowell. I think they both right. came into it um, trying to disprove it. Like trying to, to exactly. prove that religion was false, that that Christianity was false, and the more they tried to pro- disprove it, the more they were proving it, and really that's how they were led to Christ is trying to make a case. You know, well, like Lee Strobel has the case for Christ, but he was trying to right. make a case against Christ. Exactly. Yeah, and so personally. Um, so one of the other things I do, I mentioned briefly, I work for a ministry called Ratio Christi, which means Reason of Christ in Latin. We're the, I guess you could say, the premier. We're really the only apologetics campus ministry um, in the nation. We're, we're a little bit international as well. We're on about 120 campuses across the country. And um, one of the first students that started joining us, this friend of mine, his name's Sean, and Sean would have considered himself theist. He believed in God, but he wasn't sure which God. And like, just yeah. started coming to our group and asking questions. And we gave him good answers. And 
eventually he's like, all right, you, you guys have answered my question. This is true. And shortly after that, he got baptized and he's interned at the church that I attend the last couple of years. And um, I've been trying to even recruit him to join staff with us. And so like, I've totally seen God work in that way to bring people to Christ. And there's countless stories of people who have come to Christ in that way. Does it work every time? No, there's definitely, I've had people, even a, one guy who has come to our club kind of quite a bit at CSU for Rashi Christie, um, considers himself an atheist. He, I would say he is an atheist, doesn't believe in God. He even went to a Christian school here locally um, and had a great Bible teacher there that taught a lot of apologetics um, and then has come to our club a lot and, you know, debated back and forth with us about apologetic stuff. He still doesn't believe, um, you know, he's, he's got more developed arguments um, that he tries to argue against Christianity than I think a lot of the atheists that we oftentimes interact with. Um, but I think we give him good arguments back to refute what he presents, but he still haven't accepted Christ. And I just got to keep praying and ask for the Lord to intervene there. Cause yes, uh, though we are supposed to be prepared to give a defense and argue for Christianity, um, you can't know all the answers and that's okay because in the end, you're still not the savior of these people. Yeah. Right. So. I, I think I told who do we have on last week? Was Robbie? Robbie. Yeah. Um, which he's he's like a missionary to South Dakota, which I love because it's like <laughs> yeah, you know, we actually need missionaries in our in the United States now, like we never thought we yep. would have before. And like you you know, campus being a a campus minister, like Campus Crusade for Christ. I, I think they call it something right. different now, but that's um, crew, yeah. That's crew, okay. Um, yep. So, like, that's being one of the biggest ones. And me, like, that, I love hearing that because that is, that's missionary work right where you, right where you live, which we're all called to. Like, when we hear missionary, we think overseas. And that's yep. what, you know, and that's what Robbie was thinking. He's, well, we're called to mission work and talked to his wife about it. And she agreed. And their mission is to South Dakota. And he's like, yeah. these people don't like, he's going to the very basics, foundational um, stuff. Like who, like basically who is God and what is the Bible? Because these people yeah. have no sort of foundation. Right. Um where it used to, you know, people used to say the United States was a Christian nation because people would still have the basics. You know, you'd hear yep. Bible stories on the radio or TV or, you know, every year around Easter time, you'd have the Ten Commandments. So, you know, the story of Moses and um, you'd have like Jesus of Nazareth that would be playing on TV. And that's that's not on regular TV anymore. You know, they take that stuff off and but it I remember growing up that that was that was a thing, you know. You everybody would be kind of gathered around the TV watching whatever that special was that had to do with um either Judaism or Christianity. 
and mm. and now we really don't have that you know people really don't have a a basis of any kind of of knowledge of faith so it's it was really cool to, to for me to hear him say that he was a missionary to South Dakota when you don't think yeah. of that as you know well why do they need that you know the I thought all right. co- I thought all cowboys were Christians. You know? Yeah, yeah, but yeah, especially South Dakota. I know, like a lot of my heart is towards Mormons and Utah. Even just by mission standard, is really considered an unreached people group. Uh, there's a certain like percentage when you are able to look at it and say, "Hey, these people." Uh, there's so little that actually know Christ that you're going to consider it an unreached people group by mission standards. And, and that's Salt Lake in Utah, which is crazy. No, that's right that's there right in our backyard. Yeah. And that's yeah. right where we're at. And it is, you know, and, it, and it's hard because, um, Mormons will say that they're, but you know, we are Christians. We are, you know, LDS is latter day saints, you know, followers of Christ. And it's like, right. but, you're not, you're not following Christ. Really, you're following yeah. the Book of Mormon and and uh, you know Joseph Smith and Brigham Young and you know that's great. They you know started the state of Utah, but on on what real principles? On what are you know? It's very um, religious. Not you know mm-hmm. not it. It's weird. It's like there's a faith. Yeah. It's more of a culture. It's more of a culture than it really is mm-hmm. uh, religion. And they'll even, you know, some some Mormons will even say, "Well, that's what our culture is." Right. Yeah, and it's a lot of times, you know, they'll they'll point out, "Hey, we're G- Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints." The Book of Mormon talks about Jesus. You know, so we're clearly Christians. Um, what I've started in one of my videos points out is the doctrines is what makes it clear that we're, we're not the same religion. Um, when I've studied world religions, I've started to just notice a pattern of really like what separates religions in the more fundamental thing is your views around the doctrines of like heaven, hell, creation, nature of God, nature of man, sin, salvation, and the fall. And those issues we don't agree on any of those with Mormons. Most of those, I agree with Muslims on. And so I actually hold more doctrinally in line with the Muslim than I do with Mormons. Because how they view the nature of God, how creation happened, the nature of man, how the fall affects things, how the, why the fall needed to happen. Um, I'm on the same page. I'm not that same way with Mormons. Right. And and I would, I don't know about you, but like for me, I I kind of will say that with Judaism, I have more in common with them than I do um, a Mormon or even a Jehovah's witness that they claim they're Christians. But when you look at them doctrinally and biblically, really it's not, you know, there's a lot of the book of Mormon is a lot of, plagiarized scripture really um right my daughter has friends that are mormon and you know and she 
they've asked if she wanted to read the Book of Mormon with them and stuff. And she's like, no, I'm good. Um, but, and I know this happened to Jacob too. Someone that he knows has brought up something that is in the Book of Mormon. And they go, well, that's actually in the Bible. It's a Bible verse, you know? And that happened to, I know it happened to Jacob. He told me about it and it happened to my daughter as well. And she's like, yeah, the, the Bible says that that's in the Bible. And they're like, well, it's in the book of Mormon. And she's like, but it was in the Bible first, <laughs> you know? So, right. um, which is, it's kind of funny to me that they, you know, really do rely on the book of Mormon and then will kind of use the Bible as a backup plan. I mean, that's, that's kind of how I've experienced it. Yeah. I don't know if that's the I, same I for think, you. I think the the part that um, maybe you can answer more of, Noah, is uh, because I, I haven't researched too much into it at all. I just kind of know bits and pieces. But, like, one of the biggest things is um, that I've kind of learned is that Jesus isn't the same Jesus we talk about. And I was like, that's a huge right. difference of, uh, yep. of, like, Jesus the brother of Satan and Jesus man of God, yeah, the son <laughs> like, of God, son of God. Right. Like he is God. And there's a huge difference between. Yeah, Cause they don't look at Jesus as, as Jesus is God. Is that correct or no? Yeah. Uh, so they reject the Trinity. They accept what they would call a Godhead, which just means that you have a father, son and Holy spirit. that are all God but they're not the same being. They're not the same person. Ultimately it's, um, more, (laughs) more of really separate gods, which makes them polytheists. And that's another reason why, again, we line up more doctrinally with Muslim with than a Mormon. Um, Jesus is, is a literal son of God, just as you and I are. And just as Satan is, um, we are all sexual reproductive children of God and heavenly mother. And Jesus was the firstborn. Satan is the second born. And because of that, those two proposed different plans of salvation and God, the father just accepted the plan that Jesus came up with instead. And so it's a totally different, totally different view of who Jesus is. Yeah. That, I mean, which I find very interesting because, um, when you say that the, you know, Lucifer and Jesus being brother in the more in the Mormon faith. And it's so strange to me that there's a lot of Mormons that are very into Halloween, They're very into like the, I don't the know, paganistic the darkness. Part of it. Yeah, like it's so, but it also like kind of makes sense to me when you look at as if they're looking at, you know, following Jesus or following Lucifer and it, it kind of seems like even within their own group that they have those that will follow more after Jesus and then some that will follow after Lucifer and and I, I only bring that up being that, you know, it's close to, it is close to Halloween and, and 
we we're seeing that right. a lot with you know there's such a Mormon culture that they really are really into Halloween you know and I mm-hmm. and even back yeah. when I lived in Illinois the Mormons that we knew were really into Halloween and I've heard other people talk about Mormons being really into Halloween and one of, probably the one of the best things that I heard was of course they are because you know, they're getting kids used to going door to door. That could be true. So yeah. that, that kind of <laughs> makes sense to me there, but um, just I think yeah. I feel like there's just a, a darker side to it. Yeah, that's not brought up, but it's yeah. but it's there. Yeah, well, that's part of the reason. Ultimately, um, and this is where. I'm not going to make friends with Mormons by saying this. Like there, there's just very clearly some cult practices to the Mormon faith. Um, and some of that you can just look at. Um, obviously it's weird to have Satan as the brother of Jesus, but some of the other reasons that Halloween's probably somewhat more important is actually Joseph Smith was a Mason. Um, and so, a lot of even the ceremonies that they have and that they perform in the temple are, are commandeering and changing some of the Masonic rituals that happen in those Masonic temples, which um, when you know the deeper history of the Masons, a lot of times has satanic connections. Um, and so that's, I think, probably where some of that interest that Mormons have or love of, or even just traditionally that, Hey, we really, we do enjoy celebrating Halloween, but it's, it's probably connected to that. A bit. Well, um, I, I don't know if it's you or if it's somebody else, but uh, they're talking about like, have you seen that kid that is on TikTok Who's like, Hey, if you're a Christian, I want to talk to you about this and I want to, challenge you or something like that and like Mm -hmm. i think pointless thorn do you know who that is uh i don't know if i do he's like a Mm -hmm. pastor that like basically always his like catchphrase basically is like i have an article for that and he like wrote an article on what atheism is or what other religions are or whatever but he's he's a really good like writer and dramatic pastor i guess i don't know what you'd call it but um, right. but yeah, that that kid was saying like, hey, I, I can tell you how everything I think is or everything I say is true, and then I think maybe it's the tattoo pastor guy who like went on and was like, uh, said something like, hey, so I can tell you where our Bible comes from all the way down to like its very first start, uh, but right. you can't come back to me with golden tablets because those were never found, never seen, never known. And he was trying to say something like, uh, what's, what's the main due to that again? Joseph Joseph Smith. Smith. Yeah. That he, uh, that he had a third or three year old or a third grade writing education or right. something. And like, yeah, they were third like, grade education. And they're like, well, he wasn't dumb. <laughs> so even if he did have a third grade education, doesn't mean he didn't read and learn how to write and 
manipulate yeah. basically. Well, look at DL Moody. He was also not very educated and, you know, Moody Bible Institute is named after him and but I think mm-hmm. he had a I don't even know he might have been illiterate actually. But um he knew the Bible. Like, right. So and you know and so to say someone that is well, they only have that you know this kind of education doesn't mean anything. Yeah. To me, like, right. you know, when you look at people like D.L. Moody, who is not very educated, but there's a whole um, Bible college named after him because he had a heart right. for the Lord and had a heart for people and brought people to Christ. You know, and and really taught himself the Bible. Um, you know, he had, he had mentors and teachers, you know, got saved, but, um, really that, that doesn't mean anything to me (laughs) when they go, well, he only had this amount of education. So how could he have, you know, faked this? Easy. He can be very charismatic and not have a whole lot of education behind you. So. And put a lot of Kool-Aid out. (laughs) Just saying. Yeah, and, and the thing too, like, because I think I replied to the same video. Part of the problem with that that theory is, even if I accept the Book of Mormon to be true, which I don't, for all sorts of different reasons, um, the witnesses that were supposed to have like seen the tablets and like give witness that the Book of Mormon is true, or they saw it, so they know Joseph Smith actually interpreted it correctly. Um, a lot of them, actually the majority. So there's three witnesses that like saw and held the plates. Supposedly there's different, different, uh, takes on that story. So we're not even really sure if that's really accurate. And then there's another eight that also saw it to, to kind of some sort of lesser extent. Well, five of the eight left the church and, um, two of the three left at least temporarily. One of them didn't ever come back. Now, none of those people ever denied that they believe they saw the plates or held the plates in some form or another. But the problem is, none of the doctrines of the Mormon faith come from the Book of Mormon. So even if they saw something like that and really believed that Joseph Smith translated it, that book could be 100% true. And Mormonism is 100% false. Because the doctrines that they have that really separate them from Christianity don't come from the Book of Mormon. Hmm. And we have other ways that we can know, even if Joseph Smith interpreted that book correctly, then he's still a false prophet for other things. So he also got this one book called the Book of Abraham that we do have it. And we do know that this was actually an ancient document. And that one, Joseph Smith claimed, was written by Abraham and somehow was brought to the Americas and then, which we know it was an ancient document from Egypt, but it was a funeral text. It had nothing to do with Abraham whatsoever. And so the interpretation that Joseph Smith made of that is not accurate at all. And so that by biblical standards makes him a false prophet. I don't got to listen to anything else he has to say. Yeah. Wow. Um, I mean, so where do they get their doctrine from? I mean, that like, 
You know that you said that Joseph Smith was a a Mason. And, you know, if you look at things in even the, um, the Freemasons or the, the Masonic, you know, books, they're, you know, because they'll also call themselves Christians, but a lot of their stuff is very, you know, cultic practices. And if you've ever been in a a Masonic temple, it is very, it's very strange. Like I, I, you know, and I mean, I, I have been in different Masonic temples and I always get just a weird eerie feeling. And I want to say, even before I really knew anything about, the Masons that I still like had gotten that weird eerie feeling and the town that I grew up in had a big Masonic temple and it was just like, it was just weird. It was like, there's something not right here. And I wasn't, you know, and even then I wasn't, you know, I wasn't really walking with the Lord and, but I'd go by that building and be like, man, this is, this creeps me out, but I didn't really know why. Um, And then when you, like, if you go into Salt Lake uh, right across from the Capitol building, there's like the first um, Mormon church, basically. And there is a big, okay. um, there's a, a big pentacle on the front of the building, which is different than the pentagram. You know, this in satanic pentagram, it's just, just a upright five pointed star pentacle, yeah. which I've always known to be a magic symbol. Um, from people that I know that are Wiccans and stuff, and they, that's what they've told me that it's a some kind of weird magic symbol. So, right. Um, what do you like with that? Because I'm just curious about that. Do you know anything about that? Yeah. Um, so the a lot of the Masonic things definitely have. Um, it, how would I put this? through kind of under hidden ways have infiltrated into LDS teaching, um, LDS teaching or buildings. Like you're mentioning the pentacle. Mm -hmm. Um, there's a lot of the temples that have symbol symbols and symbology that's straight up from the Masons or from other like satanic, satanic things. And uh, what's it called? The where they do the baptisms for the dead, it's like a big bowl, and there's like bulls under it, like gold, bull, yeah, golden bulls. I don't know right. how many. So that that is actually like, that's, that's different. <laughs> yeah, that I, is actually trying to mimic uh, the bath from the Old Testament temple. Uh, yeah, that's yeah. So, that's what I. So that one actually that. is weird to us, but that's kind of biblical. Uh, the temple is a whole other thing that we have to talk about um, because that is one of the ways that we just know that they're, they don't get it. They don't understand the scriptures when you're rebuilding temples that are clearly not meant to be rebuilt. Um, but yeah, there's just these little underlying things of Satanism that I think without people fully understanding it and especially knowing it, I don't think it's something that's like, maybe directly there as much, but I don't, part of it that's scary about so much of it is how much of things are just kept secret. Um, yeah. and like their signs, you know, the things that they do within the temple are kept secret. 
Now, a lot of that stuff, I think pretty much out of all of that out in the open, there's a guy named New Name Noah that actually uh, kept his Temple Recommend and then took in uh, secret cameras and recorded Baptism of the Dead and, and doing the little handshakes to enter into the kind of the Holy of Holies, aka the Celestial Room is what it's called. Um, and so there, there's not much that happens in the temple that I don't think we're aware of anymore. Um, but they always still want to say, well, that's sacred. We shouldn't talk about it and that sort of thing. And that's just, that's cultish. That's part of the reason that it just doesn't make sense to say this is a, you're, you're trying to claim that the church is a restoration of the church from the apostles time. Well, they didn't rebuild temples. They had no intention to, to build the temples after the temple was destroyed. And all of the things that happened in the Old Testament temples was public knowledge. It was every every ceremony to the last detail is explained in the Old Testament law. Yeah, and anybody could have gotten access to that and found out about it. Nobody was keeping that a secret, but here they are keeping that a secret. That's cultish. Yeah. Whether you want to say that they're a cult or not. That's cultish. You know, one of the things that I tell people, I'm not going to probably directly tell a Mormon, I think you're in a cult. Um, because I think that just puts up walls. There's there's tactics when it comes to just engaging with people. And telling someone they're in a cult is not a good tactic. Right. It's um, just going to shut them but, down. <laughs> yeah, it's just going to shut them down. But the thing that I'd bring up is just to say, hey, the experts, when they look and study cults, how we understand them. They look at different things as, as standards and signs. And here are eight different signs that I bring up. I can't, I'm not going to remember them off all off the top of my head, but it's like keeping things that currently happen a secret, keeping the past and things that happen within the group a secret. Um, having a leader that's unquestioned, having a leader that seems too good to be true and um, perfect in every way, um, all sorts of different things. These are, this is not just me as a lay person throwing out the idea of this is what a cult is. This is experts on cults yeah. saying these are the patterns that they have. And, um, I mean, even, even the Mormonism checks a lot of those boxes, even the like baptisms, like from the dead, my, because me and you talked about my wife used to be a Mormon and. She was like, it was it, actually, now that I think about it, it's pretty weird. You had a bunch of old guys on some chairs above there and they would read whatever was on the screen and then you'd get baptized, but you're wearing like almost see-through white garments. So they're pretty much seeing everything. And so she was like, that was actually pretty weird. Like yeah. that whole situation. And yeah. And I was like, yeah, that should be <laughs> like, that should be a, a perfect example of a sign like because i mean they multiple people do it and i'm like at some point i'd be like that's kind of weird these guys can see all my junk and like yeah. i would think that was that was that'd be probably super uncomfortable and be like this doesn't feel right if that makes sense and then also supposing supposing you know you're supposed to keep it secret as well so i don't know that you know, in in our line of work, one of the things that we say is secrets make you sick. Yeah. You know, like, and yeah. secret sin that just makes you sick. You know, we're we're supposed to confess to one another. Um, but 
so that that really does throw those red flags and I was asking someone who was Mormon, they were getting married and um great person. But I was like, So what do you you know, are you gonna get married there? And they're like, Well, you can't really get you have to have something special to be able to temple get recommend. married. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you, you have, have to, to have tithe. the temple recommend. And you have to have your tithe. Right. If you haven't tithe, like you cannot get married in the temple or for instance, like one of my wife's family members couldn't even go in because they were like, oh, you missed one tithe. You you can't come in now. Right. It, it's a whole thing. Like, you can't, if you're not part of their religion or whatever, um, then you can't go to the ceremony. Yeah. You know, it's just, I don't know, that, that seemed very strange to me because, right. you know, did that guy? I want to. I wanted to invite everybody I possibly could to my wedding and to have them celebrate. You know, um, couldn't invite yeah. everybody because you know financially you just can't. Sometimes you just can't do that. But I wanted to. You know, that was my my desire was to have as many people there to celebrate as possible. You know, so it's kind of weird when you shut shut people out like that. Yeah. Especially if the, you want them to come to your church. <laughs> your church right. out, uh, did did that guy who who you talked about who went into the temple and all that? Did he d- get to see a wedding and do that part? Because like from what the many people that I've heard, they're like that part's pretty weird all in itself. Also, like what they do, like the yeah. I, I don't know. I can't remember particularly if he's shown that one or not. Um, I think he probably has. I haven't, the videos aren't the highest quality and me being a guy who's a little bit of a techie, there's a bit that I'm just like, oh, I can't do it. Cause I want like higher quality <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> videos. And so I haven't really watched all of them. Um, but I, I think he's pretty much shown everything. So I think you can find that on there and they're just on YouTube. You just got it on YouTube. Just look up new name Noah, and you can find pretty much all that. He's got other content too, but what he's most known for is basically exposing the LDS church by showing those ceremonies. And shakes. Of course, the church was not happy about it. Well, and getting like you said that the getting the new name—that's one thing that like they say that the wife doesn't know, but the husband knows both names or whatever. Their new special new yeah, name. but um, but everybody who's baptized that day gets the same name, guys and girls. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, we're all Hank today. <laughs> yeah, new name Hank. New name yeah. Hank. So, Your name's Barbara. <laughs> that's something when you talk with a lot of ex Mormons. A lot of times they're like, "Yeah, that was kind of." Because they're baptized and they're kind of told secretly, "This is your new name." Hmm. And for them, it's like, oh, this is a really cool, I have this special, new, unique spiritual name. And then they find out everybody else that was baptized with me <laughs> got the <laughs> same name. All, yeah. <laughs> all the girls got the same name, and then all the guys got the same name. It wasn't unique. Like, so much of it ends up being those ceremonies that are supposed to be this unique spiritual experience um, ends up in some ways almost feeling like a factory because even their baptism of the dead, a lot of times 
you know, you do your research to do some baptism of the dead for someone and you get a list of a bunch of people and they basically like just, all right, now we baptize you for this person. Boom. Now we baptize you for this person. Boom. And it's almost like a factory just, you know, pumping out baptisms of the dead. And a lot of people just talk about ex-Mormons. We'll talk about how that felt weird, how just their first time going to the temple was just like, this isn't what I thought this was going to be like some amazing, awesome experience. And I'm just kind of disappointed Yeah, in all of that. Yeah, um, even the, the, the temple in Salt Lake, that place is like, it's, it seems like it's more guarded than the Capitol building. here. Yeah. <laughs> like it really is mm-hmm. kind of, I don't know, kind of weird, but um, like before we wrap this up, we talked a little bit about what started you on TikTok, and it wasn't apologetics. Um, so no, <laughs> and so I'm yeah. just taking a kind of a, a left turn here, you know, back from the apologetics. Yeah. But um, what started you on your TikTok platform? Um, right. You know, like we we talked earlier, like you didn't realize that you were gonna be a TikToker when we're introducing you, but something else uh, right. started your whole uh, TikTok kind of journey. Right. Yeah. So like, I forget even what made me decide to start doing one, but I just decided, Hey, I'm going to start doing some videos and didn't really think much of it. Just thought it'd be something I'd kind of do on the side. And didn't think I'd really take off, so to speak. And I don't know if I'd say that this, Obviously, I'm not making a career out of it by any means at this point, but um, but uh, most of the stuff was throwing out some stuff on apologetics. And then I just had one day, um, I had a pretty rough breakup about a year ago and just had some times that I just had to regularly just have a prayer to kind of work through some of that. And so I just shared that prayer in one of my videos, and that was the first one that suddenly just like, took off um, still is probably the video that's got more views than anything else I've put up there. Um, I think it's almost 200,000 views now. And basically the prayer was just this God, if there's somebody better out there for me, put her in my lap. If I need to move on, then give me a sign. And if my gut is telling me that, this is the right person and that's right. Then give me the patience and the peace to wait for this, for this person. I don't wait for that to still work out down the road, but above everything else, Lord, let me to fall, fall in love with you and what you want me to do. Um, and I think that just really struck a chord with people because I think we, a lot of us have been through that experience of like, dang, I really thought this was it. Yeah. Um, really thought this was the person I was going to end up with and it didn't, but you still are like, man, it just feels like it's going to work out down the road, but you're struggling through that. And just to say, all right, this is, I'm going to put all that stuff in your hands and I trust you with the results. But in the end, especially to say above all else, I need to focus on you. I want that. I want to get married for sure. Like that's definitely a desire of my heart. Um, but I also want to keep in mind that that's not in the end going to make me happy. Yeah. 
that's not the end goal. So, so when you when you told that story and you said how that really struck a chord with people because you feel like people are there a lot of times, yeah. it really struck a chord for me because over twenty years ago, twenty we just had our twenty third anniversary. So probably a year before that, before we got married, um, I had the same kind of prayer and, and um my wife and I had dated and were together for five years before we got married and broke up a couple of times, got back together. And, um, when we were first together, we, neither one of us were really walking with the Lord, but the last time that we broke up, we, we were both like starting to go back to church and really seeking hard after the Lord. And she was like, she broke up with me and it, it broke my heart really. So like when you said that, that prayer really, you know, struck a chord with people, it really struck a chord with me because I prayed a similar prayer. You know, it was mm-hmm. like, Lord, if she's the right one, then you're going to bring her back to me or right. you're going to bring me someone, you know, if she's not, then you're going to bring me someone better. And, um, but really right now I need to seek you and <laughs> I, I just want you more than anything. And, um, and, it, and for me, it worked out like God did bring her back into my life. Like, she wasn't really totally out of it ever, but, um, but also better, you know, we were both, we were both in a better place cause we were both, um, seeking after God and really wanting a relationship with him more than we were seeking our own, you know, relationship with each other. And, you know, it, it was just, God worked that out with us and, um, and I know he can do it for others, but that's just, it really, it struck a chord with me because I said the same kind of prayer and it wasn't until after I was really seeking after God. And it sounds like you're doing the same thing. You're seeking after God first. And, um, just like the scripture says, seek me first. And then all these things will be added unto you. If I would have just taken that, that heartache, heartbreak so hard and just didn't seek after the Lord. I don't think we, you know, we wouldn't be where we're at now, you know, four kids married 23, <laughs> 23 years and four kids later. Um, mm-hmm. you know, yep. So good luck to you, my man. I'm sure yeah. God's with you. You know, he yeah. wants us to, he wants to give us the desires of our heart. And, um, but first we need to seek him. And it seems like that's, that's what you're doing. Yep. I feel yep. like everybody has <laughs> has some some sort of story like yours cuz like that's before I dated my wife there was a girl as named in Bible college and I was like hey god if this isn't supposed to work cuz I I Jill which is my wife is the one she's our boss my best friend of mine for a snow cone shack that we worked during the summer uh in between our first and second year of Bible college and uh mm. And so I kind of liked her, but I was like, you know, I'm dating this other person. I was like, God, if this isn't supposed to work out, like, send me a sign somehow. And then her phone broke, yeah. and she didn't reach out to me for, like, three weeks or two. And I was like, all right, God, I got the sign. She's a jerk. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I was like, what a jerk. Like, I even called her siblings, and she, they're like, oh, she's busy and all this stuff. Then finally she calls me back, and I'm like, how are you going to call me back and then be like, oh, everything's good? And I'm like... Bro, you haven't called me in like 
three weeks and I, you you had your siblings phones and she's like, oh yeah my phone broke and you wouldn't think to tell someone that and she's like no and i go well either way i prayed about this uh this just isn't gonna work out and then <laughs> i i yeah. started like because i felt like i was like man i really like jill she's an awesome person she's chasing after god all this stuff in a different kind of way and it's not just some I, I don't know if you had it, but there's always like flakes at Bible college that you're like, man, you're as flaky yep. as cornflakes. And so um, <laughs> that kind of happened in our Bible college a lot. And that's how even girls were. And you're like, you seem like there was weird things that happened that you're like, oh, never mind. You're not, <laughs> you're not fully, <laughs> fully going for this because you want way more than what we should be going for right now. And so. Uh, but yeah, that, that definitely will happen. I just want to encourage you that, uh, God will make, make a way where either things will work out if you still are kind of about that person, unless they're totally gone. But if not, God will have a better, a better person than what you thought you had lined up there. Right. Yeah. I'm trusting in timing for it. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. <laughs> and so, uh, something, I don't know if you heard any of our podcasts before, but something we always do to the guests is uh, <laughs> we make you pray us out of our podcast. So, uh, oh, uh, so we just, uh, we'll hand it over to you and go ahead and pray. Yeah. God, I, I just thank you for this opportunity. I thank you for the FQ podcast and just um, pray your blessings upon it. I pray that people would be, finding this is just a helpful resource to them um, to encourage them in their walk and their faith and fun entertainment as well, Lord. Um, I thank you for just being able to be a part of things this week. Um, and I hope that it was something that will encourage others and draw them close to you and give them more boldness to share Christ. Um, I I just thank you for, <laughs> even for TikTok and the, the ways that that creates some just unique opportunity to reach out to others, God. Um, pray to anybody listening, Lord, that they would just seek you in the hard times and the good um, and just know you have their best in mind, even if it doesn't feel like it sometimes. So pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.